Hello, party people of Seneca. Jack here, and it's going to be my pleasure to walk you through your Geography GCC Paper 2 Night Before podcast. So we're not going to go over anything too content-heavy, just going to whiz through a couple of sections from the course, urban issues and challenges, one to two markers, some quick questions just to get, get you um, get those uh, neural pathways firing for some of the key, key terms, key phrases, that sort of stuff, and then going to do some hypercram for renewable energy supplies. And then obviously, of course, stress buster at the end to just help you calm those nerves and feel ready in the mood, in the groove for tomorrow. Cool. So let's get started. Urban issues and challenges. Going to ask some questions here, give you a couple seconds to think about it, and then I will give you the answer. Question number one, which term is best defined by the following phrase? An urban area with a total population in excess of 10 million people. This is a multiple choice. The options are city, conurbation, megacity, or metropolis. Final answer, get it in. And it is, of course, megacity. Nice one if you got that right. Question number two. Which of the following are reasons for the rapid rate of urban growth in many low-income countries? So there's five options here, two marks, so we're looking for two answers. The options are wanting a slower pace of life, wanting to get away from pollution, opportunities for healthcare in cities, wanting to live in cheaper housing, or a lack of jobs. What do you think are the two main reasons for the rapid rate of urban growth in many LICs, low-income countries? The answers are opportunities for healthcare in cities and a lack of Jobs. Cool. Next question. Moving on. Another definition-based one here. So which term is best defined by this phrase? The birth rate minus the death rate of a population. Give you a couple of seconds. Very key term this. It is natural increase. This will lead to an increase in the overall size of the population because more people are being born than are dying. Next question. Give two reasons for the rapid rate of urban growth in many newly emerging economies, NEEs. A couple of seconds to think of your answers. And the two ones that I've got down here are lack of healthcare in rural areas. So there's much better access to healthcare moving into those urban regions and the increased job opportunities that come with living in a densely populated urban space. Okay, definition again. Again, just one to two markers thinking about uh, the key terms that will help you pick up some easy marks in the exam. So which definition best suits the term urban greening? Four options are, one, the process of extracting and reusing useful substances found in waste. Option number two, the process of increasing and preserving open space such as public parks and gardens in urban areas. Option number three, the revival of old parts of a built-up area. Question number four, option number four, sorry, the process of widening roads to make traffic flow more efficient. So which one, option one, two, three, or four, do you think is referring to the term urban greening? It is option number two, the process of increasing, urban greening is the process of increasing and preserving open space such as public parks and gardens in urban areas. Nice one, going well.
Next definition, the final definition of this section. Which definition best suits the term brownfield site? The options are the revival of old parts of the built-up area, a derelict area cleared and used for new buildings, an area of urban sprawl, or an area of fields cleared and used for new buildings. Which one do you think best suits the term brownfield site? Cool. The answer is, of course, a derelict area cleared and used for new buildings. That is what a brownfield site refers to. Nice. So that is just a few basic definitions there, going over urban issues and challenges, some key things, natural increase. Um, we've just mentioned brownfield site. We've talked about reasons for rapid rate of urban growth in different areas. And also the definition for megacity, which if you remember correctly, is an urban area with a total population in excess of 10 million people. Nice one, cool. So moving on, renewable energy supplies hypercram. So I'm just gonna walk you through this section. Hopefully it will jolt a couple memories and help to uh, secure this knowledge before the big day tomorrow, which of course you're gonna smash. So burning fossil fuel alternatives can help improve energy security, reduce carbon footprints and diversify the energy mix. So moving on to talking about biofuels here. What are biofuels? They're fuels that come from living material, such as animal waste products and plants. They're less polluting than fossil fuels, which is of course a good thing. Um, and if made from waste products, then total waste production is decreased. Again, a good thing. But, little caveat here, biomass sources must be sustainably managed. Um, so deforestation is being carried out to make space for these to grow these biofuels crops, um, which again is has other detriments to the environment. So something to think about when doing this. Um, additionally, growing these crops, the biofuels crops, is very water intensive and reduces food crop growth. So a couple of advantages there and also a couple of disadvantages to think about. Another renewable energy fossil fuel alternative is wind energy. So you see all these wind farms popping up all over the place. These are the turbines that are used um, to harness the wind energy to generate electricity. Uh, this is relatively inexpensive. Once you have that turbine in place, it will just continue to make use of the wind and generate electricity. So good lifespan on this, this, uh, these devices and this supply. And yeah, so no greenhouse gases are emitted once that initial construction of the turbine has occurred. Um, some negatives to wind energy. Because wind is variable, uh, the, electric the electricity that is produced is not consistent. So you can't know for sure how much electricity is going to be generated in a given day, a given week, a given month, in a given area. So obviously these are put usually in places that are particularly exposed, that get a lot of wind, coastal regions, offshore. Um, but again, you, you just can't be certain. Um, another potential downside is that birds occasionally get caught up in the turbines. They fly in and sadly... Um, they don't do too well. The turbines come out on top of that, that encounter. Okay, a little question here. So which of the statements that I'm about to read out are disadvantages of biofuels? There are three disadvantages out of the six following options. So listen as I go through and mark them as you, as you hear the disadvantages. So number one, growing them requires a large amount of sunlight. Number two, growing them is expensive. Number three, 
Growing them involves deforestation. Number four, growing them is water intensive. Number five, they don't produce much energy when they're actually used. And number six, growing reduces food crop growth. So they actually don't require a large amount of sunlight, which is um, not correct. Growing them is actually inexpensive. So the three that we're looking for is uh, deforestation has to happen to make space for these crops. Um, a lot of water has to be used to grow these crops. And we reduce food crop growth by opting to grow these biofuels instead. So those are the three potential downsides um, of biofuels. Cool. The next energy supply that we're going to talk about is solar energy. So how's that used? Um, generated, sorry, everyone knows this, solar panels. These can be put on the roofs of buildings or in open spaces like fields and deserts. And again, once they've been fitted, there's no emissions and the maintenance requirements are minimal. And the technology is becoming increasingly available and getting cheaper and cheaper. So this is both, both good things to make sure that we're harnessing as much solar energy as possible. Um, again, similar to wind energy, not necessarily the most reliable. Um, so in certain regions, it's not as, um, as useful an option. For example, in Scotland versus in Spain, you can tell which one is going to harness more solar energy and generate more electricity. Um, another potential downside, the actual building of solar panels involves the use of toxic metals. Um, so some environmental issues can happen as a result of that. So again, something to think about when talking about solar energy. Cool. So quick question here, something that we previously discussed in this section. Which fuels come from living material, such as animal waste products and plants? Give you a couple of secs. It is, of course, biofuels. Nice one. Moving on, another renewable energy supply, hydroelectric power, which is commonly shortened to HEP. So how's this created? Basically, to generate HEP, dams are created, these store the water, and then when the water falls down, um, it turns turbines, and that generates electricity. So you have the um, potential energy of the water up above, falls down, turns turbines, electricity generated. Again, it doesn't produce any emissions when generating electricity, um, and the energy supply is actually reliable because the flow of water can be controlled. So we can determine when that water falls down from the reservoir behind the dam um, down towards the turbines. But downside, really, really expensive to build them and can actually destroy other environments. So um, yeah, downstream, you can end up with flooding, which is not good, um, or areas drying up in other situations. And another, another point to mention, methane can actually be released from the reservoirs that form behind the dams. Methane being a greenhouse gas, having a bad environmental effect and contributing to the greenhouse effect. So here I will now describe a fossil fuel alternative, a renewable fossil fuel alternative, and um, give you a few options and you will guess which is correct. So a fuel which uses turbines to generate electricity. Are we talking about solar power, biofuels, or wind power? The answer is of course wind power, those big wind turbines you see on the hills, when you go for a walk in the countryside. Cool, next option is wave power. So waves can be used to drive turbines to generate electricity. And these particular turbines are expensive and they actually only produce worthwhile amounts of energy in rough conditions. So we need to be selective as to where 
um, we opt for this particular option. Moving on, tidal power. So turbines can harness the um, movement of tides to generate electricity. Notice how we keep coming back to turbines. Turbines are very important in this process of creating electricity. Again, the power is not generated permanently, uh, but the output is actually reliable because we know when tidal cycles happen. Twice a day, uh, you have your high tides and your low tides. Cool. Geothermal energy. So geothermal power involves pumping water deep into the Earth's crust, where it is heated until it turns into steam. This steam then drives turbines to generate electricity. Cheap to set up, but only works well in areas that are tectonically active. And these are fairly um, few and far between. So final question, name two fossil fuel alternatives. So we've discussed quite a few there. I mean, think of as many as you can, but I'll give you a second to think of a few, and then I will um, reel off all the ones that we talked about in this section. So we have hydroelectric power, which involves dams. We have geothermal power, which involves pumping water deep into the Earth's crust. Um, we have wind power using turbines. We have tidal power, wave power, solar power with solar panels, and growing of biofuels. So nice one, that is renewable energy supplies, basically covered off in five minutes there, nice and easy. Um, just remember all those different types, the advantages and disadvantages, and you'll be absolutely golden. So of course, to finish off, we're gonna go for Stress Buster. Just a couple of tips. I'll also uh, briefly talk you through the gifts as well, because they're, they're quality. So number one, don't panic. This exam will be over before you even know it. So a big day tomorrow, and then after that, you can forget about this and hopefully smashed it, and we'll be on to the summer holidays in a jiffy. And then, of course, we have an Ariana Grande gift without saying thank you next. Point number two, make sure you give yourself time to chill out. Um, okay, this is a Bruno Mars gift of a quality music video. Have a look if you can't remember it. Um, yeah, just give yourself time to relax. Don't be too stressed, and make sure you incorporate that into your schedule. Number three, Eat a healthy meal before your exam to boost your brain power. It can be easy to go for options like pizza, microwave meals, but honestly, eating that good food is going to help you out a lot. So put the time and effort into that, and you will be grateful. Your body will thank you. Your brain will thank you. And uh, yeah, your, your marks will thank you after that as well. Final point, celebrate getting through the tough exam with your best pals. Obviously, your friends, super important to have good friends around you during this potentially stressful time and make sure you give them support as they um, also give support to you. Cool. Well, good luck in your exam tomorrow. I'm sure you're gonna smash it. That's your GCSE Geography Paper 2 Night Before podcast all wrapped up. Best of luck and have a great, great summer. Good luck for your exams. We're gonna be releasing Night Before podcasts before every exam. And if you head on over to YouTube on every weekday, we are going to be doing live streams at 4.45 and 5.30. So make sure you subscribe. And while you're at it, rate us five stars. We're amazing. <laughs> Good luck.